Welcome to this week's MTD podcast. In this podcast, we will be discussing how to get the most out of your fifth axis machine tool and fifth axis strategies using CAM that can help you refine and help the process become even more efficient. I'm Giovanni Albanese hosting today's show, a passionate engineer and a proud member of the MTD team. And I'm very excited and have the pleasure to be joined by two very special guests. Firstly, Chris Pritchard, Head of Machining at Brafe Engineering Limited. Chris, with a wealth of experience and knowledge in all areas of manufacturing. And I can't wait to tap into this today, Chris. So welcome yet again to the MTD podcast. Morning, Gio. How are you today, Chris? All yeah, right? I'm really, really well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, enjoying the sunshine. Good man, good man. And, and, and thanks for the recent visit at Brave. Now, next up, um, we have the pleasure to be joined by Ben Miller. Ben is Head uh, Applications Manager for the whole of the UK um, for SolidCam. Um, and again, I can't wait to tap into your expertise in this area, Ben. So welcome to the podcast, Ben. Morning, GL. Thanks very much. How are you, Ben? All right? Yeah, good, thanks, good. Not much sunshine up north, but uh, yeah, it's still good. <laughs> Do you find you're driving around again a little bit more? Yeah, a little bit more, getting getting out there a little bit more now. I think uh, people are a bit, bit more receptive to having visitors and things. So, yeah, getting out and about, it's nice to be uh, be out in a car and get a bit of fresh air rather than uh, being stuck inside, I think. Yeah, you do a few miles, don't you, Ben? Safe to yeah, say. Yeah, fair few miles, yeah, cover, covering the all the UK and Ireland as well. So, uh, yeah, we, we rack up some miles in the in the year. <laughs> well, great to catch up with you again, chaps. It was uh, an absolutely great visit uh, at Brafe recently, which we had um, looking at the, the titanium uh, valve body for the oil and gas industry. But before we start on this uh, podcast and before we get into the nitty gritty, let's start with you guys, you know, and tell our listeners – a little bit about you, um, you know, let, let's start with you this time, Ben, you know, how and why did you get into engineering and, and tell us about your position at SolidCam now and what you actually do? Uh, yeah, so I got into engineering um, when I left school, really. I did an apprenticeship at a local engineering firm uh, and progressed from there. I started off uh, in manufacturing and did a little bit of design as well in the design office. Um, and then sort of progressed into CAM in, in that company. Uh, I then sort of moved around a couple of different engineering firms, working on the shop floor, programming machines by hand, um, and then and then got into the CAM industry, uh, working for, for a CAM supplier uh, and working for SolidCAM now. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the applications manager for SolidCAM. Uh, I have a team of applications engineers here that, uh, you know, we all, we're all out on the road, we're all helping the customers, uh, doing demos, things like that. Uh, got a dedicated team of, of post writers as well for the more complex uh, post processes. Um, so, yeah, that, that's us, really. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a brilliant company, not just in the UK, but around the world. Um, so it's, it's a massive company. Uh, ben, w- without your prior experience in engineering, hands-on experience in engineering, um you know, would you be able to do the job that you do now? Um, I think it would be more difficult. Um, CAM, you know, a lot of people sometimes see CAM as um, if you've got CAM, you can you can basically program anything. Um, you still do need the, the the skill and the experience of how to actually machine. Um, you know, there's no substitute for that. Uh, you can't just ask a computer to know how to cut metal 
you know, what tools to use, what uh, what strategies to use. So definitely being being off the shop floor and coming into the cam industry uh, is definitely a major advantage. Um, and as is, you know, um, all of the team here, uh, all of the engineers here, they're all off the shop floor, um, for, you know, in, in a previous life as, as such. Uh, so it's, it's definitely gives us uh, yeah, an I think, edge. I think, yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. Now, now, Chris, you've got a wealth of experience, and it's quite apparent from kind of meeting you twice at Brafe and, and some of the, 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 the kind of processes and process improvements that you've put into place there, and some of the, the, the you know the the cycle time reductions with the help of of, of, of companies and, and the collaboration with some of the OEMs and and partners that you're dealing with, but. Without that wealth of experience, you wouldn't have been able to bring the right people together um, to achieve the results that you're achieving. So, so like you know, Chris, again, really with you, you know, just to to kind of so our listeners can get a bit of a, an insight into your background and your knowledge. How, how did you get into engineering? Why and, and and how did you gain all this experience? Well, it's exactly the same as Ben, really. Where when I left school, I started an apprenticeship at a local engineering firm. I actually started my apprenticeship in sheet metal and fabrication, um, but that sort of quickly took a turn to the left after I sort of was involved in a car accident. I then couldn't lift anything heavy, so I went on to the CNC machines where I sort of spent my time there. Um, after sort of the recovery from the injury, I then, very much what Ben said, I learned how to cut metal, but that wasn't on a CNC. That was on the manual machines, working the manual lathe, manual mills, gear cutters, radial drills, you know, the basic, the basic stuff. But I learned how to cut metal. Um, and from there, then obviously the opportunities opened up for me to go onto the CNC machines full-time, where I'd done more training. Um, I then became deputy of the um, machine shop. Um, and, yeah, just kept on growing and growing from there. And then when I, I reached a stage there where I thought I felt I couldn't grow anymore, so I decided to leave where I was, and I went into sales of cutting tools. Uh, for quite a, one of the major brands of uh, carbide cutting tools, um, which really got me out into the world. I got to see all types of um, machines, how different processes on how other engineering companies do it, um, which really, really sort of gave me such a large knowledge of every type of engineering that I wanted to sort of know about and what I wanted to be involved with. Um, and... I, it was just one of those things I really, really enjoyed. The opportunity then came up to move to an engineering company and sort of head up the manufacturing team there, um, which I sort of took with both hands. And with with an ever-growing family, life on the road was sort of not taking its toll, but I would have preferred to spend more time at home. So I decided to move back to sort of the office job or to the, the workshop sort of job and took a job as a head of machine company in, in Norwich. And... Um, after three years there, I then moved on to where I am now at Braith Engineering, um, head of machining there. Um, again, lovely opportunity to improve all their processes, help develop what they do. You know, for many, many years, we've made, we make, we've made high-end super alloy castings. And the processes have been old-age techniques that are very, very successful, although they needed modern, modernizing. And that's where I've then come in. I've invested in the most latest plant, the Grob G350T, um, the latest work holding with the Shunk um, S0 work plate, I think it is, and then also with Solicam as well. I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to touch on all of them 
um, elements that you've just mentioned there, and, um, and and I didn't know about your car crash. So thankfully, oh, no, no. Uh, thankfully it, 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 it was only a. It wasn't anything major, but I completely snapped one of my arms, so that just restricted what I could lift and what I couldn't lift. So they said, "Well, you can sit in front of a CNC for <laughs> for three weeks and press buttons, because that's all we do. Apparently, just press buttons when you're running a machine." So, so it's fate, really. Then, Chris. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, what you've touched upon there, I think that well, all three of us have got very similar backgrounds in engineering i've done my apprenticeship as a tool maker um, i learned on on manual equipment lathes um capstans uh, uh, knee mills the little milling machines and and, and and you know effectively you know fundamentally it's the principles of engineering what you're learning on a, a manual machine which is 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 invaluable when you come to kind of uh plan a process um, on a CNC machine, you know what works, what doesn't work, even to the to the extent of actually designing a component to make. You know how it can be made, the best way of making it, to leave excess material on the billet, so on and and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, without kind of digressing too much, I think that we, you know. <laughs> In engineering, you never stop learning, but I think that, in my opinion, I'm a definitely a strong believer that you know, you know, from even some of these new engineers coming into engineering now, they still should start off on on, on manual machinery, 100%. One absolutely 100%. Most definitely, the last place yeah, I worked, I didn't have any agree. manual machines. But their, 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 their first step, they had to go onto a CNC, and because we were fully sort of automated with CAD. They never even got to learn truly how to program because it was all done via CAD. So, oh, sorry, CAM, sorry. Um, so, yeah, they didn't know how to cut metal and they didn't really know how to program because it was sort of hand fed yeah, yeah. them. And they're missing a massive part out of their they engineering. Are, yeah. They're missing a massive part out. And, and I was the other way around, Chris, to be honest. So, I kind of started on the manuals um, and I worked my way up into to CNC. Then I started programming, but everything that I programmed was on the duck board. I programmed everything into the CNC directly because at the time, CAM didn't really exist. And we weren't even doing 3D work at the time. We didn't really need it. I mean, some of the bits of programming that we did, we, you know, we had to use trigonometry and Pythagoras and some of the programs were, you know, thousands of lines uh, long, you know, and that was using labels and macros and everything else. And they're still ridiculously long programs. However, that experience, again, it's invaluable. So when you do move on, you've got a real good understanding of what works and what doesn't work. And 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 in my opinion, it, it's absolutely imperative. And I think that the younger children really do need to to, to kind of realize what benefits that they get from that and that it will not lead to a dead-end job but it will probably lead to the very best jobs in engineering you sound like you've got quite a lot of qualifications here you're looking for a job or a change of career at any time i wouldn't know where to start anymore uh chris but let's let's start now with the the, the, the podcast in regards to fifth axis machining now in the uk We've gone mad on fifth axis machines, and, and to be honest, I have. I, I feel that some of the fifth axis machines that are out there, full simultaneous, are not really the right machines for the application. You know, a lot of the fifth axis machines out there are just doing four plus one work, which you could do on a three axis with a fourth axis rotary table. Um, but if you are doing some of the complex work 
um, such as you, Chris, um, you know, what? how important is it to get the very best out of that fifth axis machine? Now, let's start with you on this one, Ben. You know, people or engineers could kind of quite easily overlook CAM when buying one of the state-of-the-art fifth axis machine tools. But what would you say to them? How important is CAM to get the very best out of that fifth axis machine tool? Yeah, I would say it is quite important, really, from from a point of view of, you know, that, that machine tool, the five-axis machine tool is going to cost you, you know, quite a large investment. Um, so you want that machine tool running constantly. You don't want it stopped while somebody stood there programming at the duck board. Um, yes, you could program it at the duck board in, in three plus two, four plus one. Um, you know, when it comes to simultaneous five-axis, you really do need a CAM system to sort of generate those toolpaths for you, um, especially if you're doing something complicated and, and you need a good toolpath. Uh, but yeah, in terms of sort of three plus two, you know, it's just a three-axis machine and you're just indexing, uh, and that's what a lot of people see. But as I said, you're still at the duck board programming that for, for two or three hours uh, to get the job going. That's two or three hours of lost production. Uh, so to be able to program it offline and see simulation, fix any issues on the simulation as well before it actually goes to the machine um, as, a, as a proven uh, or semi-proven program as, as such, um, I would say that's invaluable, really. I mean, the, 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 I get the benefits of that. You keep the spindle turning, um, and that is we, we always – uh, refer to that you know even with kind of automation and, and zero point and palletization but you're getting other benefits as well i mean tell us about iMachining and them strategies you won't be able to programming strategies such as that and 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 you educated me ben when we were at brave in regards to you can actually tweak the kind of speed of the the strategy dependent on the work holding and how securely the parts being uh, held. I mean, there's there's bits like that that kind of, if you had to program them manually, you wouldn't get the same results, would you? So effectively, through them strategies, you're reducing cycle times as well. Yeah. So iMachining is obviously the our intelligent toolpath with the the wizard built in. So we're drawing on sort of thirty years of machining experience and, and built that into iMachining, where we can uh, basically put the data in. So we put the the machine tools um, limits in, uh, its spindle power, things like that. We tell it what tool we're using, so the helix on the tool as well. We tell it what material we're cutting so that it knows the machinability factor of that material. Um, and then it will calculate all its speeds, feeds, depth for cut, step overs automatically. Uh, and as you said, we've then got a, a slider bar. It's a machining level, um, or what we would like to call the, the brave meter, uh, as, Chris will, uh, as Chris will tell you. Um, as to how sort of quickly you want to machine uh, with iMachining. So it's all about rigidity. If, if we've got the component held nice and strong, you've got a good gripping force on there. It's, uh, you know, the machine's quite strong and capable, good tooling in there, premium carbide. Then we're turning the levels right up, you know, towards the top. We want to be a six, seven, eight on the, on the machining level. If you then, you come to something, maybe you're doing a second op and you've not got the part held quite so rigidly, um, you know, we can wind that machining factor down a little bit. So we might come down to three, four, five, something around that, those marks. And, and all that will do is you're still gaining the benefits of iron machining. So we're still using that um, small step over high speed and feeds. 
but it brings all those those factors down um, consistently with each other. So the the, the step over reducers, the the feed reducers, and the spindle speed reducers. So you're still gaining that um, same cutting forces. You, you know, you, you're keeping nice light cuts on the tool, um, steady on the spindle, but we're we're doing it just a little bit slower. Um, so yeah, we we've got all that control inside our machine, which again I think. It's a nice little um, touch. It's okay saying, well, this is an automated strategy and it does everything for you. There's always going to be a need for that, again, going back to that experience of the engineer um, of saying, well, actually, I know that this is a little bit too fast or this is a little bit too aggressive. You know, I'll, I'll dial it down a little bit. Um, so we're not taking the control out of the engineer completely. Um, again, we're letting the engineer make that decision and, and control those little things that it needs to control, uh, really. It's, 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 it's very bespoke, that is, and, and I like that. I think at the end of the day, you're right, Ben, because at the end of the day, the CAD CAM package doesn't know how you're holding that part for up to. You know, if you're holding a raw casting and you can't hold it properly, how does the CAD CAM package know that you're not holding it properly? You, you need to have that knowledge, and, and that leads us on nicely, really, to all the other elements um, around the, the, the machine, really. Recently, uh, Chris, you invested in a Grob G350T, um, state-of-the-art fifth-axis machine tool, full fifth-axis simultaneous, but with turning capability and a horizontal spindle. Um, I love that machine. You know, uh, it, it's a fantastic bit of kit. But as Ben alluded to, you know, Ben's, saying rigidity but it's it's about it's about eliminating vibration completely getting vibration out of that process and then you can really hit the part hard you know is how have you achieved that on that machine because some of the parts you make some of these castings um that that you you manufacture as well on site um irregular shape parts casting variants not easy parts to hold not easy parts to hold you know securely no, we, it is a struggle. And the, the bit you came down to see the other day, we were fortunate in the sense that that was a forged titanium block. So that was straight in a vice, clamp it in and off we go. And that was lovely work holding. Um, we weren't using um, printed jaws or anything like that. That was just into a mill set of soft jaws. And yet it still performed and still cut. And, you know, we were achieving great speeds and feeds. When it comes to all our other work that we do, every part needs a fixture of some sort. Um, generally, the luxury or the biggest problem we have obviously with the casting is getting that first off right getting the cores in the casting aligned finding the true datums of all the features that are on that casting and that's really sort of that's the key benefit of us having a five axis that we can manipulate the part in any way to run various probing cycles to find that center point then from there we can then do a pre-op and hold it on a fixture um for us to be able to have the sort of the rigidity we went with the shunk work holding so that we've got full flexibility to take parts off we've got chuck we've got vice we've got fixture plates that we just bolt the stud straight to the bottom we throw it on clamp in any position it repeats within a few microns every time um and then the next step with that was to have the cam package to sort of finish the whole setup off which allows us then to seamlessly program each operation um, that we have for the parts, um, which as a package with the grob, 
the shunk and the solid cam, it all works nicely as a package. So, and and, and you mentioned with the with with the casting now. I don't know how accurately your castings are, but with castings, you always get casting variants. They're never all exactly the same. And this can really kind of uh, be problematic when, you know, holding one casting from another. But not only that, it throws out your datum point because if if the, the size of the casting uh, changes, then you're uh, if you're working from a fixed jaw, mm-hmm. then your datum point will move. So, um you mentioned probing. So are you probing everyone to, to re, re-date them each casting before you start machining it? Just to align the cores for the first off. Yeah. It's, a, it's a key thing of what we do. Um, and like I say, it's funny because we we're probably one of the worst because we have got a five-axis machine that we don't do a great deal of five-axis machining on, but for the product that we make and the manipulation we need to make our product, the five-axis works wonders for us. And and some of the materials as well, kind of that you're machining, Chris. Can you tell us yeah. about them? None of them are nice. They're all okay. your. It's all um, high alloy, uh, super alloy steels, inconels, has alloys, super duplexes, titaniums, um, and all of these materials that we have, they all benefit from the solid cam I machining because everything gives us a benefit. It's always such a such a softer cut on the on the workpiece. And sometimes when we're holding a casting down with a couple of small bolts to a fixture, we need to have a nice, smooth cutting contour that's not gouging in, it's not digging out in corners, and the eye machine offers itself perfectly for that. So can you explain that in a little bit more detail? So kind of how does that work? Is it is it kind of, how is it feeding into it? Can you explain to our listeners? It's, it's a sort of a, one. But just, it's, it's hard to explain. It just, yeah. it gently ramps onto the program, uh, onto the um, profile and ramps off. It never digs itself into a tight corner. It will sort of arc its way and do lots of small arcs to get into the corner rather than just plunging straight in and straight out. Um, and yeah, just it, 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 because it's working with the helix angle of the cutter. The, the knowledge of what it knows about the spindle type of machine and everything, it's its always soft cutting. Um, and we can do overhanging flanges on parts without any concern of vibration. So effectively, what, what, what we, we're saying here is is that we've, we've putting all these elements together, we've not mentioned cutting tools yet, but putting all these elements together, we, we, we're putting a stable process together. Indeed, yeah. And just yeah. to touch on the cutting tool slightly, I mean, that. There's lots of carbide end mills out there, some more premium than others. Um, but we've found so far with SolidCam, as long as it's in the, you know, it's not the budget type of carbide, you can put it in there and just changing the braveometer, as we call it, you, you can easily get nice smooth cutting every time. What about the, the tool holders, Chris? Um, again, because ironically, we the first type of hydraulic holder that we had that we were trying to do that titanium part, it actually pulled the 16mm mil out of the holder. Um, so we moved to a high, um, just an ER32 collet holder and it actually held better and worked fine. Um, and then we moved to an, uh, a hydraulic chuck, which was then obviously the far superior um, tool holding, and that's still working fine for us now. So, yes. again, it, you can hold any tool in any holder, but... I'll, with my experience of being a tooling rep, I know it's all about the complete package. And like a lot of people don't even believe that coolant bears any effect to what you're doing. Well, that's absolutely rubbish. You know, just the percentage of your cooling, I'm a true believer that you, 
you know, you worry about the fine details and it, the rest of it will take care of itself. And it's, it's, I suppose, in a sense, it's people that are running almost like jobbing shops that have a machine, they throw a part in, they quickly knock a few holes out. If you've got high-end machinery that you want high-precision parts, if your setup isn't correct and you don't take the time to get your setup correct, you won't have a high-precision part at the end of it. You'll have a substandard part. And that's, you know, really is the emphasis on, on having the best possible setup, tooling, work-holding, can packaging machine, and you'll get a quality product at the end of it. And, and let's let's talk about the benefits that you get from that then now. So, um, I mean, what you've said there, really, you're only as strong as your weakest link, Chris, really? and you're absolutely spot on. Now, let's let's address the benefits that you've got from um, doing just that, Chris. So, um, we, we looked at that titanium part as an example, a valve body for the oil and gas industry. Now, Ben, you were involved in the programming of this. Can you tell us, you know, that the time savings that were achieved um, from this strategy, cycle time savings, it's it's absolutely staggering. Yeah, I think it was a, um, you know, a combination of obviously moving it onto the five-axis machine, so being able to hit it in, in just a couple of ops instead of keep turning it over. But again, iMachining uh, played a, a big part of, of those time savings uh, We. We, the roughing alone on that component came down from, uh, I think it was days, wasn't it, Chris? Um, to to about seven was, hours. Yeah. To to rough the entire component out of a, a solid carbide end mill in in titanium, um, it's quite a quite a good achievement, really. I think ultimately, what what that boils down to is competitiveness. Um, you know, on from Brafe as a company to be competitive in the UK, but also around the world to start hopefully reassuring work, but also uh, profitability. You know, <laughs> you know the, the business can start to become more profitable. Uh, you know, they can start reinvesting in new machines and and so on and so forth. It all, but time is money, um, and 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 the proof is in the pudding from what you guys have have, have achieved now. Ben, your software must be continuously evolving with the advancements in these machine tools and the complexity of the components and the new cutting tool strategies. So as a company, how do you keep up with this? Yeah, I mean, we, we're constantly evolving the software. There's, there's always updates coming out. Every major release has some some big improvements and some you know new strategies in there. Uh, for instance, 2021, we, we were... You know, uh, all about barrel cutting and uh, you know that was there was a big push on that we got lots of announcements in the software for for using barrel cutters and the barrel cutting family as well so uh, as well when people hear the word barrel cutting they think instantly five axis um, we can use lens tools in three axis um, you know for cutting uh, what you would generally cut with a, a ball nose we can use a lens tool instead so instead of having a uh, let's say a 10 mil ball nose um, where you've got a five mil rad uh, on the bottom of there you could use a 10 mil lens tool so the same size shank but you could have like a 25 30 40 mil radius on the bottom so the step over increases um you know drastically so from doing say 0.1 step over um you could you could go up to like one mil step over so you're at 90 percent cycle time savings before you've even looked at the speeds and feeds um 
you know, we, we're also, uh, the, the next release is due out soon, which is uh, obviously going to be Solicom 2021. Um, and there's some big improvements in, in machine tool wires there. So sliding heads, we've got a new, um, we've got some new modules for sliding head. We've got some new functionality in there to, to support all the features of a, a sliding head machine. We've also got a new tool table as well. So, and that's a tool table across the board. So it's for the entire Solicom. Um, easier management of tools. We create assemblies and things now in there. So lots of improvements all the time. Um, keeping up with that is, you know, it's us really, the resellers around the world, all, all the engineers feeding back to development, you know, what is needed in, in, in the industry. And um, it's quite refreshing for, you know, to, from, from, from my point of view, it's quite refreshing for the developers to sort of take that on board and, and listen to what we're, we're telling them and listen to, uh, what's out there and what what's needed next and and how to develop the software really so yeah so you know although it's built and coded by by developers it's also you know we, we also have lots of engineers feeding into that development process as well so it's a good uh, it's a good sort of um, full circle um, program really yeah, I think that um, as engineers, we never stop learning. And I think that's why it's such a good career, really. And I think that what you mentioned at the beginning of the the, the podcast is that, you know, we've been around, you know, and, and even in my sales career, you know, we used to travel the, the length and breadth of the country visiting so many different engineering shops and everyone could be making the same part in a different way. And and, and it's invaluable knowledge because you, you, you pick up different bits from each different shop that you go into that you can start implementing uh, within your own facility and, and and Chris coming back to you really I think that I can't really see a weakness in in the process that you've got on that Rob for the work you do I think you've got an absolutely fantastic setup on that uh, uh, Rob and and I mean for, for the listeners really that are looking to improve their manufacturing facility you can watch the videos that we did at brave engineering limited on the mtd cnc website to have a real good look at uh, at the setup really and, and 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 what we're talking about today uh, but but chris what advice would you give to engineers that maybe have got barriers to entry in regards to, to fear of implement implementation of some of these latest technologies what will will happen to them if they if they don't invest and, and try to change and try to kind of you know move forward i think that you know you're a perfect example of someone that's embraced everything yeah i mean obviously there's always the financial aspect of what we do and at the moment for a lot of people things are tough and some people are doing a lot better than others um we're very very lucky we're doing okay you know so as always sales could be better it could be worse um and we're lucky we invested when we did before the, the second lockdown hit and i think the biggest thing is just you can't compromise um you can't cut corners and a lot of people they just look for a quick easy win and cut the corners and it might work short term long term it's not the right way to go uh, long term you've got to try and get everything aligned correctly um and once you've done it once it should almost become second nature moving forwards. Um, if you always start cutting corners, you're always going to end up cutting corners and it's always going to come back and bite you one day. Um, we try and do things properly, professionally, have a good, clean method and process for manufacturing parts. 
and that's what we've achieved with Rob, the work holding, SolidCam, and everything that goes with it. And we've aligned ourselves with key partners to make sure that we've got the support that we need to achieve our goals. Um, I know the next challenge that Ben's got for me, he's now got to try and sort out uh, an angle head milling process for me on a couple of more titanium parts. Um, <laughs> so it, it's very much us stretching our suppliers to get them to grow and develop to our needs as well. So. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, we're, we're solution providers, aren't we? We're all like looking for a, a solution. And um, I've got one final question for you both. I just want a yes or no answer. Without investment in some of these latest technologies, um, you know, such as the the, the solid cam, the, the grobs, the automation, the work holding, cutting tools, tool holders, can companies survive in this day and age? Uh, ben? Uh, I would say it's quite difficult. Um, you need to stay competitive. Uh, and I think the only way to do that is invest in, in the latest technology, um, especially going forward now after COVID and everything. Once things start opening up, there's going to be a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of people, you know, battling for, for the work and, you know, whoever can produce it quickest and the most efficiently is going to be on top, really. I couldn't agree more. Chris? Yeah, I, I'll agree. Um, I think the other big key thing to it is the, the bigger blue chip companies, they want to see this kind of development. They want to see this growth. They want to see, you know, that you're doing things correctly. Um, and when it comes to site audits and that, it's nothing can beat what the good things that you can show them. Um, and yeah, it's all, all too easy just to sort of sit on your hands and hope it's going to come to you. But you've got to go out there and you've got to fight for it. And you've got to compete just to yeah. stay competitive so well guys it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the mtd podcast um today um, i hope our listeners have enjoyed it and thank you for listening and uh, make sure to tune in every monday uh, make sure to download the mtd app from your smartphones uh, to stay in touch and if you want to contact um, chris or ben i'm sure they'd be happy to give any advice that you're after uh, guys again thank you very much for today Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Take care. Until next week, the MTD Podcast. Thanks for listening to the MTD Podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.